Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 300 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for discovering Trek listeners. Fansets, our pins have character. Hey, DT listeners, Sarah and Casey here, and this is Discovering Trek Enterprise. Welcome to the first frontier. We two late night commissary snackers are back to chit chat about yet another episode of Enterprise. This is the full, first full series watch for Sarah, and it's a rewatch for me. Today, we're going to be talking about sleeping dogs. This episode originally showed up on the airwaves or your cable box 20 years ago or so on January 30th, 2002. So if in the last two decades you haven't watched this episode, please do so because we're going to play the opera loud, drink a ton of blood wine and spoil the plot lines of this episode. You can put us on pause, go fire up Paramount Plus, Amazon Prime, Netflix, physical discs, whatever it takes and watch Sleeping Dogs. Then come on back here and listen to us try to speak, read and not smell Klingon. We hope you've enjoyed our non-warning, spoiler warning. Let's get to it. Before we discuss sleeping dogs, we want to take this moment to remind you that we like to hear from our listeners about their thoughts on everything Enterprise. So how can cadets to captains get in touch with us with their thoughts on the first season of Star Trek Enterprise? Well, Sarah, our listeners have options. Oh, so many options. We've made a plethora of ways for listeners to send us a message. You can tweet us on the Twitter at Discovering Trek. On Facebook, all you have to do is search for Discovering Trek and message us there. Please note that all Ravens, except for one, have been retired and have now taken up knitting. You can go to trekgeeks.com slash contact and leave us an email, voicemail, or a video with your message in charades form. You can also leave us a voicemail message by visiting our website and clicking on the big blue button. Remember, though... Any comments you leave us might be used in a future episode of Discovering Trek. And speaking of the future, I'm hungry. Are you? <laughs> I, I will be. I know in the future I'll be quite hungry. And I don't know if there's a breakfast pie that would work right now, but... Like a breakfast uh, quiche? That could work. That would could work. You know, add some extra mushrooms in there, a little bit of a maybe spicy Italian sausage. And mm-hmm. there we go. Oh, <laughs> but speaking of slices of pie, Sarah... What do you give this episode? I give this episode three slices of sour cherry pie. I am glad to have seen the Klingons again. I enjoyed uh, Hoshi and getting in on the action. It was nice to see. And it was kind of nice to see Archer being uh, a captain. But it's still just three out of six. That was kind of, I was kind of, I wasn't paying attention. It didn't capture me. (laughs) Is that why it's sour cherry? Yeah. Gotcha. I, I, I hear you. I gave this three slices a la mode. And I, I have no brand of pie right here. It's just there. So I hear you. It's kind of was it's filling, yeah. but not quite memorable. Uh, it, I did very much enjoy the newly expressed strength of Hoshi. This was like the Hoshi, I'm going to kick ass episode. Yeah. 
Most definitely. You can almost consider wow. this Hoshi's first episode. Yeah, really. <laughs> I mean, really. You know? Yeah. She's she's not being compared to a slug, so that's nice on that. Ah, so here we go. I'm going to give you all a recap. Oh boy. And since I know. Settle in, <laughs> settle in folks. It's going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> I I love how you prep everybody that it'll be good and I'm like, "Oh my god, I hope I wrote something that's just decent. It's always good. It's always <laughs> oh, good. You. We're doing good with this rhyming. We've dug a hole and we're we're in it, <laughs> yelling out our rhymes, busting rhymes. We're doing good. It's like our eyes can just see above the dirt line <laughs> yeah. of where we are. And the tide's know? coming in. <laughs> oh my God. Exactly. It's like, breathe through the nose, breathe through the nose. Ah. Okay, here we go with the, the lyrical masterpiece, as I'll call it. The Enterprise detects a mysterious disabled ship into the gas giant's atmosphere. They must take a dip. Hoshi volunteers to pod over with the landing party, showing new confidence and strength. She is tough and hardy. Conveniently fitting into a television hour, the trio Sato, Tapal, and Reed must make haste and not cower. The ship is Klingon with its crew all out of whack. As Tapal and Hoshi investigate, Reed is the victim of an attack. The one awake Klingon takes out Reed and steals the pod and tries to whip past the Enterprise like a hot rod. Stuck on the sinking vessel without a way to escape, Archer tries to bring Enterprise to them before it's too late. Tapal and Sato work together to reach an inner calm. Tapal teaches a Vulcan technique using pressure on Hoshi's palm. Hoshi translates, screams like a boss, and the trio form a plan. Fire off torpedoes to gain altitude instead of becoming a crushed tin can. The torpedo plan is only a mild success until Hoshi boldly declares, fire off all the rest. Archer and Buka shuttle in with a flock's created cure. For the Klingon crew, the drinking aftermath is all a big blur. Just before episodes end, the Klingon captain gets all gruff. But Archer isn't taking any crap and calls his bluff. Archer takes no chances. So with all the crew alive, the Enterprise bolts away before Klingon reinforcements can arrive. Our brave trio in their skivvies get to rest and relax. I'm surprised they didn't ask Fox to drop off some snacks. <laughs> so cute. I like it. Well, thank you. Because as always, woo, rhyming, rhyming, rhyming. So on this, my friend. Yeah. You you lead. What? Go for it. I'm going to sit here and relax while you work. Okay. You know, <laughs> listening to you give the, the recap, and I did my best to pay attention so I could make sure I understood the episode or I remembered the episode. But I still, it's just not... I'm not remembering much more than them sitting in their steam room doing their thing. And there was a female Klingon. Like, what was it about this episode that made it so unmemorable? Like, is it the fact that we've been kind of waiting and itching for some more Klingon action and it was pretty subdued? Or is it the team that was the away mission outside of Hoshi? Is it, What was it that it's just not triggering as being a better episode? Mm. You know, I, I I think part of this may be from the the writer fred decker he's written a lot of like horror thriller stuff so i think this may have been where they were saying hey let's bring in some different voices some different writers and try different things and i mean decker's written stuff like house night of the creeps he wrote monster squad you know so uh, really yeah absolutely i love that movie 
Right? Monster Squad is fantastic. The best. I don't know if you've seen House also. House is really good. It's an underrated. The TV show? No, it's a it's a oh. horror flick. And oh, it stars no. the guy who was on Greatest American Hero, William Cat. So House, check it out. It's funny and it's scary. So, you know, and, and Decker's written stuff for Tales from the Crypt. Obviously, uh, Enterprise also wrote The Predator. So he's got chops here. But I, I hear you. There's something, I think, discombobulated hmm. in this episode of, are they going for horror or, or are they not? Is, is time really of an essence in this story or is it not? Because they keep, I mean, they keep bringing up time. Yeah. It's like, oh, hey, we've, they've got, you know, you've got maybe an hour. Okay. Hey. Trip is telling Archer, you know, maybe 30 minutes tops is what they have. Archer gives them 20 minutes. And so it's like, okay, we're trying to artificially create this tension with with the countdown. But then everybody's actions seem to be a bit um, not not enough on edge of we have 15 minutes to get out of here or the shuttle won't work and we're going to die. And it's there's a little bit of lackadaisical stuff going on. Opposed to, then you get these really kind of cool, moody shots of a very dark, scary Klingon ship. And it's like, oh, there's freshly, you know, slain beasts hanging up that are going to be eaten. And, you know, the, the water looks like crap. It's like, what's happening here? And it that seems to me completely disembodied from the rest of the story of how Hoshi has found her strength and it isn't screwing around anymore. And I mean, on this away party, landing party, whatever you want to call it, she takes charge a lot. And, you know, in ways that I was pleasantly surprised. And it's like, you know, if if Rita's the armory officer, he he's not the one firing the torpedoes. He doesn't have the... Uh, the you know guts to say let's fire all six let's just do it because this is not working we're going to be crushed we're going to be dead so i'd rather not die being crushed let's try it and hoshi hoshi does it like ah so yeah sarah it's a it's a weird episode it had me excited for a little bit there because in the beginning when they're on the ship and it is eerie and spooky i was like yeah this is what i'm looking for i like i like the scary episodes that have come out in trek and i wish there was more of them so it was just a little tease and it didn't end up being all that, all that scary and all that um, tense and all that (laughs) intriguing in the end. And I think a lot of it has to do with the inconsistencies that pop up. I saw that you wrote a lot of notes and you're going to have a lot to say about this. And the ones that I notice big are the, um, this constant idea that, that Archer is, is is looking to Paul for information on the Klingons. Like what is, who are these guys? Like, we can't figure out the language and, and I don't understand what's going on with them. And, oh, we don't know what kind of ships they have. But how long have the Vulcans been aware of the Klingons? If they've been in, yeah. if they've been talking to them for so long, how come they don't know the language, but yet they know almost all the different types of ships they have? Like, pick one. Either they're somebody you've been encountered with for a hundred years or it's mm-hmm. brand new to you too. It can't be both. <laughs> like Yeah. See, th- this is, this is what, this is what the pro- main problems for me. It's like, you know, Hoshi asked Paul, why, why didn't you recognize this ship? 
as a, as a Klingon ship, uh, you know, and to Paul's all, I'm not familiar with all Klingon ship designs. But then just a little bit later, they show Mayweather found out that it's a Rapture class scout vessel. Where did he find all this information? In the, in the Vulcan database. So this is where I go back to the writing seems bizarre yeah. of yeah you if we're, if you're gonna make this scary be scary but there's you know how the how the heck does the Klingon officer Luka, have zero problem jumping into the shuttle pod <laughs> launching it piloting it figure out the comm system when you know our wonderful Starfleet peeps are on the Klingon bridge and are befuddled. I hear you. That just that weird of it's, it's make up your mind. Damn it. Somebody wrote this episode and then there was a fire and they lost like the odd pages of the script <laughs> and somebody else had to come in and write them. Like it's very choppy. <laughs> like, yeah. What kind of just what kind of specific fire was in your house that it only burnt the odd pages of your script? (laughs) Yeah. Well, my dog is a paramaniac, so we'll get into that. (laughs) Yeah. My goodness, Sarah, you're right. That makes a a ton of sense because it's just you know, um, things that you're going. Hey, if this is like at first, I thought, oh, is this going to be a real time episode? Where they go, okay, you have 45 minutes to do this. And I thought, okay, then don't screw around and hold to that. Yeah, that here comes would... Keeper Sutherland. It's 24. Mm-hmm. We're doing it. <laughs> right? It's like, okay, that, then, I, then I would buy the whole tension deal. Yeah. But time is screwing around, yeah. and it's just like, that, you know, the, the wonderful moody lingering shots on the, on the Klingon ship. I mean, that, that's all good and great, but it lingers. And so that's where I go. You, you lose all your attention. Yeah. Um, on that, what on this, what do you, a question for you, what events or experiences do you think Hoshi used, uh, or had to propel herself into a new mindset? I don't think she had any because her character hasn't been given enough depth by the writers for me to even think of something that would have happened to her. It's just the writing changed. That's all I can really think of. I have nothing to say about Hoshi and the depth of her character because nothing's been given to me to make a to make a good guess of like, oh, maybe she was meditating because we know so much about her character that she's always looking for new ways. Or, oh, maybe her friendship with Phlox has formed so much that he's encouraging her. No, like there's just been... Maybe it was the slug that inspired her. I don't, that's all I got. You know, I think it was well deserved and well needed and I'll take it, but it didn't really have a lot of emotion no, and thought behind it. Right. There's no buildup. No. It's she's one way and they keep showing her one way. And then in this episode, it's like, yeah, somebody said, no, I'm writing her a completely different way. No explanation. Yep. She's now this. It's like, I vision this room where there's sticky notes with the characters' names on it. They write a story and then they just grab sticky notes of whichever person and then apply them to the to the thing. And I know that sounds really crappy and it's kind of a mean thing to say about the writers, but there's just uh, 
I've seen such well-written Trek and, uh, and now I'm experiencing mm-hmm. a choppy written Trek and I'm not going to say it's bad. I'm not going to say it's, it's, it's terrible. It's just not capturing me and it's not making me love these people and, and get excited for, I can't wait to watch the next episode. I want to binge this season. I don't want to binge this season. I'm, a, I'm mm-hmm. struggling to get excited for the next one because I haven't been given the tools that I need to form a bond with these characters and start to care about where they go. I gotcha. I gotcha. So would you, for me, it was like, uh, you know, everything's inconsistent, inconsistent. Yeah. Do a lot. So then do these inconsistencies besides in just this episode, but also with character path, do these pull you out of a story to where you're thinking about that or are you able to forgive them enough to a certain point? Yeah. It doesn't really affect the, the story that much. I, I, there'll be moments where I'll just kind of roll my eyes while I'm watching being like, that makes no sense. But anyway, like, let's just keep watching. And I think, (laughs) I think I need to start watching each episode as though it's the first time I've ever watched enterprise. I think that's the only way I can really look at it right now to kind of, build up some excitement mm-hmm. because I was starting to get excited that relationships were being formed between one character and another character. And then I don't see them again for three episodes, like to Paul and trip. And then I get excited that flocks is starting to get out there and then he's gone for mm-hmm. four episodes. And now here's Hoshi stepping up and building a relationship with Paul. And I have a feeling I'm not going to see anything remotely close to that again until season two. Like it's, it's not right. enough. You have a huge cast of people and they're great actors and they want to do a really good job. And I need more of all of them. I hear you. This is where I think this, this series would have benefited for more early arcs mm. and, and consistent threads coming through. Mm-hmm. Uh, because yeah, I, <laughs> I love it when they, they focus. Yeah. On, on characters and things we don't know. And then yeah. like you say, it just goes into the ether. Well, I think another thing that would have been really beneficial, and it's something that I've really enjoyed with Discovery and Picard, is that before seasons come out, you have amazing novels being written in comic books. And you're giving backstory about what's Picard been up to, or here's a little bit more about Tilly, or here's a little bit more about this world. And if they had done that in parallel with the first season of Enterprise and given us a little bit of Archer backstory and a little bit of you know, a little comic book or something. I think that would have maybe mm-hmm. made a big difference because it's just Star Trek fans are hungry for as much information as we can get. And maybe that's part of the frustration I have with this show is that I'm not getting enough information and I'm hungry I, for more. I hear you. I, I think, yeah, I think the time that the show was yeah put on with, you know, they kept talking about fatigue, 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 fatigue. And I got to think that writers and producers had fatigue of if you had been working on trek for you know over 10 years and then you're going into let's create a a new series it's like okay you're creating a new series but you aren't new the ideas aren't new you you keep you know i come with me (laughs) wherever i go i'm at so for the producers doing that and then kind of seeing that there really wasn't as much like interest from, you know, Marvel, DC, IDW, whoever to go, hey, we'd love to have a license and do Enterprise. 
Well, I think, yeah, I think the timing of this show says a lot because when I was watching when I was younger and it was the end of TNG and it was the birth of Deep Space Nine and then there was rumors of Voyager and the movies, like this is when the toys were pumping out unstoppable like you needed to have everything you needed to to rob a few banks to be able to afford to have all the cool stuff coming out and there wasn't a lot for voyager there not nearly as much as there was for the other series and that's a bit of sign of fatigue and then you had enterprise which didn't have a lot of stuff and that was coming off of voyager and so there's another sign of fatigue and then at the same time you've got the Trek world kind of tiring out and you have the rebirth of Star Wars with episode one taking a lot of attention mm-hmm. because that was something that people never thought was going to happen. And that was around the 2000 time frame, I think. So there I was gotcha. still that competition between the two. There mm-hmm. was still that you have to like one or the other. Like, it seems like that culture of, of being a nerd or being a geek or whatever you want to call it, being a fan, like it's just grown so much since the, since then, like it's been more later in the 2000s with the real big birth of like Comic-Con being huger and bigger mm-hmm. and the Marvel and the Game of Thrones and the Lord of the Rings. And like, it just seems like this was on the cusp before that took off. Yeah. It's no different with the clothing closing of the Star Trek experience. Like you just should have waited a little bit longer because that place right. would just oh. be pumping right now, you know? Yeah, a ton of dough. Exactly. So I it's hear just, it's, the, it's that wave of fandom. It's the wave of inspiration. It's the roller coaster of genres. And, and I totally get it because I've seen it with other types of TV shows or series. I mean, think about that's think about friends. When I was a teenager, that was the show was friends. And then it stopped and then everyone forgot it existed. Mm-hmm. And then comes along Netflix and there's this new generation of people my age as kids being like, this show friends was great. And now it's like the merch is everywhere that, 13 year olds are wearing the t-shirt and now they're going to do a reunion. And it just goes to show that there's that life cycle that happens. See, there you go. That's, this is where I, I keep thinking right now, boy, this, this might be an opportune time on Paramount plus to do a limited series of, of enterprise. Mm -hmm. It's like, Hey, it's been X amount of years. Mm -hmm. Okay. You can go in different storylines you could have this uh, happen. I mean, I don't know if everyone who was on the show would be interested to co- come back. But there's things like, you know, the great parts of this episode. How she is just on it and given mm-hmm. like semi-respectful attitude. Mm-hmm. But hey, I'm I'm not some soft whimpering thing. It's like I'm fine with the environmental suits now. Eh, I used to be claustrophobic. I'm not. Um, hey, Paul, you seem to be kind of concerned mm-hmm. about this. Hey, Reed, we need to do this. And it's just, you know, so strong and strong. And I'm like, oh, please keep keep this. Yeah. Have, have other writers watch the previous episodes or at least read the previous scripts mm-hmm. to keep a thread of this. So it isn't that she progresses and then regresses. And then progresses and regresses. It's like, you know, instead of a roller coaster, yeah. let's have a, a, a merry-go-round. This and is their things. anniversary year. 
Right. Just do it. And there's so many fans out there that are so dedicated to this series and they mm-hmm. love it. And it, where's the, where's the documentary on the making of Enterprise? Where's the the comic book that's going to come yeah. out about it? Because everybody else is getting their their shot. Yeah. Well, not everybody, but definitely more than less. <laughs> I think it's. I would think it's coming. I. I think boy, you'll find out something after... that SGLV is what I think. That's what I think so too. And yeah. I, I'm hoping because come on, yeah. let's, let's celebrate while, while people are still around yeah. <laughs> and, and as, you can do things. Oh yeah. And as frustrated as I get with this show, it's the people who advocate for it so much that keep me going because there's, there are some diehard fans of the series and I'm really like, what? Like, really? Like this, oh, these are some of your favorite characters. It, okay. I'll, I'll wait. Let's I'll wait. I bet I can find that too. Like just give it time. Yeah. Patience. It's we're no different than TNG. Right. We're TNG season one was rough. Like, uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. we could go on and on, but we should go on and on about band sets. Oh, yes. Have you heard of them? Uh, once or twice. Someone okay. has mentioned it. All hmm. right. Well, let's see. Discovering Trek listeners. We want to thank our friends over at Fansets for being the exclusive sponsor on Discovering Trek. The Fansets crew are constantly working to put out the best product available and to come up with new designs and product releases. There are more wonderful new products out right this very moment. There's, of course, all the character pins, the Titan ship pins, pins from all of the Trek series, amazing Delta pins, Picard pins, and of course, some amazing non-Trek items like Harry Potter house crest pins, Lost in Space, Scooby-Doo, and the Big Bang Theory. There are hundreds of pins and accessories for you at fansets.com. So right after listening to us, go to fansets.com, scroll along all the amazing pins offered, load up your cart, and enter the special code word Discovering Trek in all caps with no spaces at checkout for an amazing 10% off your entire order. And don't forget, if you are in the U.S. and spend more than $30, you will also get some free shipping. Woohoo! Fansets, our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I normally would be excited about whatever scent was coming from the kitchen because it's the chef special, <laughs> but I had a nice big breakfast today, so I'm good. I don't need to smell no food. I can still smell bacon upstairs wafting slowly down into the basement. So mm, bacon. bacon. Oh man. Well, Eggs. I, I, I gotta wonder how much. Bacon chef goes through every morning. If those brontosaurus steaks are any <laughs> clue of what's going on, horrifying, right? Yeah, everybody's heart condition is not going to be good by the end of this mm. series. Ah, all right. Let's talk. Let's talk some chef special of the day. Uh, watching this episode, I found a, a lot of firsts that I think. Okay. So you know, our our first appearance of I'm now calling badass Sato. Love it. Uh, first on screen showing a bonding experience with Hoshi and T'Pol. First time a Starfleet officer hears about photon torpedoes. Hmm. First appearance, and I don't know if this was really necessary at all, but first appearance of what is worn underneath the EV suits, because that made a lot of sense to me in the story that just in case you need to get out of that ship in a hurry, because it's about to explode or be crushed, totally get out of the EV suit 
that would take you at least 15, 20 minutes to get back into in case you have to leave right away. So that writing point was on point. Loved it. Uh, Sarcasm. (laughs) Um, We had our first decon chamber scene. That is not totally cringy. I was pleasantly surprised about that. It was kind of... um, Kind of sweet. Uh, and then did we see first, the first time T'Pol, I won't say lies, but um, exaggerates to a fellow crew member? You know, nope. her little fib of Dr. Phlox? She's and been doing that before. What worked for you as a first? We've seen T'Pol. Has she? Yeah, we have. Sorry, there's a bit of a time lag and I was muting myself. When did, when did <sighs> T'Pol do that besides when she was like Miss, Miss Hide and Seek Helper? I'm just, I've just missed hide and seek. What's hide and seek helper? When she was with those little kids on the, uh, the fortunate were playing hide and seek and she found the the girl and then kind of. I thought that, I thought that we brought it up in maybe the episode with the, the Andorian incident or something that there's been some, there's been a few times where she's fibbed or told a white lie or exaggerated. I know there is. I just can't think of it. I'd have to go back to former Trello boards, but I think that there's been a couple of times because I was like, ooh, like DePaul's getting, it's the, the humans rubbing off on her. Maybe it was something to do with the wedding. I can't remember, but it happened. All right. All right. I will believe you. I will believe you. I will look into I... it and I will bring this up in the next uh, <gasps> time we record. Okay. Oh, homework. homework. We all love that. Uh, the first, one of the firsts here that that really worked for me is, I mean, I dug the T'Pol teaching Hoshi this kind of anti-anxiety calming meditation technique. And I, I thought that was a very cool opening up of both characters and kind of what you're saying of T'Pol being a crew member here not this isn't some short temporary assignment but uh being a crew member and then caring because like okay hey we're on this away mission i want to live through it so we all need to be relaxed as much as possible and thinking clearly but also hey I, i care about my crewmate who's now maybe my friend you know i feel like to Paul is the only character that's being written correctly and has and is growing. I feel as though she's the only character where I can talk about her from start to current and follow along the path that she's been on. Um, she gets she's got more depth than anybody at this point for me personally, just because of what she's been through with the flip and flopping about being a part of the crew or not being a part of the crew and is she going to leave is she not going to leave and um i think it's great but i want that for everybody i hear you i hear you i kind of like that the the decon chamber can be seems like a a a relaxation spa yeah you know and it wasn't the the stupid little rubbing of gel on everything it was just okay they've just gone through a traumatic experience and they are decompressing mentally. So there's no PTSD. And I was like, right. They literally need a hot minute. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, okay, all y'all we're not, we're not just jumping right back. And it's like, Oh, we were dealing Mm -hmm. with whatever this, I love the reaction of to Paul when, when they, 
open the helmets and her sense of smell is so strong anyways. And, and the, the work right there, the acting work that way like this for it to pause. Oh my God. Oh, this is, this is bad. Uh, like, okay. And this fits into what you're saying is, yeah, there's more character work being done with Paul than anyone else. And I know Big time. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. But okay. So a, a lot of first where this kind of intrigued me, this yeah. episode of where things might go. I think so. I think considering we, we only were really kind of giving it the basic three out of six slices, we actually mm-hmm. got some good conversation out of it. So that says something about the episode too. And whether we're discussing frustrations or whether we're discussing little moments that we do like, it goes to show that it's still creeping under our skin and we still, still care. So, you know, there you go. Going to keep on keeping on. And that does it now for our coverage on this episode, sleeping dogs. We will be back next time to discuss shadows of Pajem as we continue to celebrate the 20th anniversary year of enterprise. Until then, remember that you can subscribe to Discovering Trek by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or by heading to discoveringtrek.com. You can find us on Twitter at Discovering Trek. Hey, y'all. If you're enjoying what we're doing here on Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, please consider supporting us on Patreon. As a subscriber, you get access to the unedited recordings of episodes, as well as exclusive content and great subscriber rewards like our annual supporters pins from Fansets, our exclusive Trek Geeks Podcast Network t-shirt, and other goodies that I hear might be on the horizon. We'd like to take a moment to thank the following amazing producers of Discovering Trek. Thank you all for your support. The producers are Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Jim McMahon, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and Jess Vashon. The senior producer of Discovering Trek is Jude Tapman. If you would like to become producer of Discovering Trek or get access to the raw audio for Discovering Trek episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all of the details. Until the next six torpedo launch, two to be out. Fire them all! Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Coconut!